Welcome to the Introvertpreneur Podcast. Take a breath because you are in the right place and you can finally stop apologizing for being an introvert. I'm Tara and I've discovered how to thrive as an entrepreneur while being 100% true to myself. Now I want to help you do the same. In these episodes, you're going to find everything you need to build a successful service-based business so you can stop competing with extroverts and grow and market your business with ease. Are you ready? Welcome back to another episode of the Introvertpreneur Podcast. Today, we are going to dig into all things sales, including how to do discovery calls and how to sell in a way that feels more natural, even if you are an introvert or someone who struggles with selling. And our wonderful guest today is Larielle Lipkins. She is a B2B sales expert, a consultant, an author, and a speaker. Sales is not just what she talks about. It's what she lives and breathes. And I'm so excited about this conversation because I know she makes sales feel simple and repeatable so that you can go from information to implementation and start seeing those results immediately. So welcome. I'm so excited for this conversation. Hello. Hello. It's a pleasure to be here. Yay. So I would love for you to share a little bit more about you, your story. I'd love to hear like your, why you love sales so much. <laughs> How much time do we have? No. <laughs> it's, oh, it's usually a long story when, when we get into it. <laughs> it, it it's, it's, it's funny, Tara, because I am your most unlikely sales expert in the sense of I had no intentions of ever getting into sales, wanted to stay far away from sales. And then in college, right after I graduated, I so so happened to go work for uh, the largest sales training company in the world. And so in that role, I was more on the marketing side of the business. But you get to a point where it's like, if I'm going to market this appropriately, like I've got to sit in the classes, I've got to learn what it is that we're delivering to our clients. And so one Monday, I snuck in the back of the class and like I went from like being very awkward, very nervous in a room full of extroverted salespeople. And then I just started taking notes. And then I realized, hold on, there's a process to doing sales. I love process. And then it kind of grew on me. And what eventually happened is when I was talking to our CEO and I was asking him about his goals and plans for the business, um, being the type of person that I am. And he said, one day you're going to buy this business for me. And I'm thinking, there's no way. I would have to actually be selling <laughs> to buy and lead a sales training business. And probably six months after that, I made the transition from marketing to sales and I haven't looked back. And so my kind of mission, so to speak, is really teaching other people, especially female entrepreneurs who I think we naturally have some aversion to sales because we have a perception of what that entails. and really teaching people there's a process to selling, process actually scales, personality does not, and that sales doesn't have to be this big, scary monster. And not only that, but it's a necessity to have a, a successful business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think when it came to sales for the longest time, I always had this vision in my head of like going into a store in the mall and mm -hmm. the 
workers would just like swarm you because they're working on commission. And that is how I felt about sales. It just, I was like, I don't want my audience or my people to feel that way if I'm like selling to them. So I definitely carried that with me for the longest time. I think everybody does, right? So we have these bad experiences and we have stereotypes about salespeople that are actually built on facts, right? It's built on what has actually happened or what we've experienced. And then understanding that although some people do sell that way, that really doesn't work in today's like selling environment. And then I find that other people go the complete opposite way because we don't want to be seen as like seen as vultures. We are so lax when it comes to sales. And then that doesn't necessarily work either. So it really is finding that middle ground of how do we sell and what is selling? Because I think there's a huge misconception about what selling is. And because there's this huge misconception about what selling is, we want to avoid it at all costs. And so I really like teaching people how to reframe the way they're thinking about selling and what selling actually means. I love that. What would you say if somebody was to ask you, so what does selling actually mean? So I believe that sales is a value exchange. So I think when a lot of people think about selling, we are often thinking about what we get from it. We're thinking about what we charged for the service. We're thinking about the win for us. Instead of thinking about it as there's a problem that our client is looking to solve that they haven't been able to solve on their own. And I have the answer that they're looking for and they're willing to pay in exchange for the answer to speed up the process. So it should be a value exchange. So when we think about it from that way, it isn't just me winning and what I made and what I had in my launch or you know my numbers. It's also what is the impact that I've been able to create as a result of that value exchange. So it's less focused on what do we actually get and how do we create this win-win situation for myself and for a client. I love that. Yeah, because so many times we're always just focused on the the dollars and like mm-hmm. the total launch revenue and the sales numbers and like 10K months or 50K months. And yeah, I love that. That also makes selling easier, feel easier for you. Exactly. No wonder if I'm only thinking about what's in it for me and I'm not yeah. thinking about what they're getting in exchange. No wonder I'm going to feel out of integrity. No wonder I'm going to feel awkward and selfish and greedy because I'm actually doing what it is I say I don't want to do, right? And so it's just like when I'm talking to entrepreneurs and like, you know, I don't like selling. I just like really helping people. I go, well, how do you help them? Well, I teach them how to do, okay. (laughs) So selling is actually helping people make an investment And when people make an investment in an answer, they're actually more committed to actually following through and getting the results that they desire. And so it's like, oh, okay. And so it's just really shifting this paradigm that there is a value exchange. And if we really talked more about the results that our clients get, it would change our just level of confidence. And I'll give you a quick example. I was talking to a corporate client was actually interviewing him. And he originally hired me because his sales team had discounted a million dollars the previous year. And so literally gave away a million dollars in discounts. So we're talking a year later and I was asking him, hey, what were some of the biggest takeaways or impacts or changes? He did not mention the fact that they didn't discount on any of their deals moving forward after we worked together 
And so I prompted him. I was like, well, hey, Brian, you know, you originally reached out to me in regards to discounting, et cetera. Long story short, he was like, oh, yeah, we stopped doing that. We raised our prices. And working with you, we easily added $400,000 to the bottom line in the first year. <laughs> and they paid like $60,000. I would happily exchange $60,000 for $400,000 any day. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so then now when I'm talking to a client and I can say, no, I helped a client not only stop discounting, but raise their prices, added $400,000 to the bottom line, shorten their sales cycle, increase. Like when I start talking about that, then of course I'm excited to want to share my message and promote my offers and how I can help people. When I'm thinking about, did I have a five-figure launch? Did I have, you know, X, Y, Z, and it's all about me? Of course, I'm going to feel a little icky, right? So just changing yeah. that that whole perspective and conversation. Yeah, that's a good point. I think too, for a lot of us introverts, we don't typically like to talk about ourselves. So if we're mm-hmm only trying to do that and not focusing on the client's success, then that could also be another thing that's holding us back from actually selling because we're trying to do it in a way where we're talking about ourselves, but we Mm -hmm. really dislike doing that. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And, you know, as a fellow introvert, I truly believe, and perhaps I'm a little biased The introverts are actually some of the best when it comes to selling for the very reason that you just talked about. So I've trained over 10,000 salespeople and entrepreneurs over the last 14 years. And I will tell you where introverts really, really excel when it comes to selling is the ability to read a room, to make adjustments to ask really thoughtful and introspective questions for the very reason you just mentioned, we don't want to talk about ourselves. And so when I have an introverted entrepreneur, introverted salesperson that I'm working with, they actually tend to take off the fastest with training once they learn how to leverage what they think is a weakness. The fact that introverts don't like talking about themselves is a positive because now I can actually teach you What questions can you ask to get the prospect talking about themselves, their challenges, their goals, their issues? And you don't have to talk (laughs) a lot. Actually talking more hurts your conversions, right? So it's actually a natural strength that introverts just don't know how to leverage. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's a good point is that we are more equipped personality-wise to succeed at sales. It's just, we maybe have not taken that step to actually understand sales and how to actually do it in a way that feels good to us. Yeah. And I will tell you the other thing, Tara, real quick, is that I will find where introverts have the most challenge, but they don't know what bucket to put it in is on the marketing side. It's in the outreach getting in front of people. But So that does become a challenge there. But when it comes to like actual sales conversations, discovery calls, things like that, introverts excel if they learn how to leverage their natural kind of characteristics and personality as a strength. I love that. What would you say for, um, because I I definitely want to dig into discovery calls, because I know I hear a lot of times from people in my community and my audience and even podcast listeners that they really struggle with discovery calls. And I think it's kind of like what you just said, like they're not 
leaning into their strengths and using them in a way that they can actually do a discovery call and and make it more successful and more of a win-win for them and the person on the discovery call. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think there's a couple of things that I notice when people are struggling with discovery calls. One is changing the focus, right? So one time I was interviewing on a, doing this other interview with the podcaster and he said, well, we all know the goal of a discovery call is to get the client. And I was like, no, it's not. It's like, huh? <laughs> it's like, no, that's not the goal of a discovery call. That's a potential outcome of a discovery call. But the goal is to determine whether or not there's mutual fit. Mm-hmm. And if my goal is to determine if there's mutual fit, the only way I can do that is by asking questions. And if we determine that there is a mutual fit, you have a problem I can actually solve and you're actually committed enough to solving it. Then the possible outcome is I get the deal. And it's funny how trying not to convert actually helps you convert a lot more consistently and a lot easier. So that's number one is like really changing what the thought process is around discovery calls. And then Tara, I say the other biggest mistake or oversight that people have is they don't actually have a process for their discovery calls. And so if every call that you're doing is feeling like you're recreating the wheel versus having set questions that you ask, and obviously you want some flexibility, but if you have a set process that you follow, all you have to do is follow the process. And we've already relieved ourselves of the pressure of getting the deal. And so when you combine those two things together, it really is not only powerful for you as the entrepreneur, but it also is a lot better experience as a prospect. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of like, I always talk about clarity equals confidence. Mm -hmm. So if you are really clear about what is going to happen on that discovery call, you have like a process and questions, you're going to get on that call a lot more confident than you would if you just were going by the seat of your pants and (laughs) we're not sure what you were going to say or yeah, it would just, it wouldn't flow as well too. And I think it would come at it from a different kind of energy too. Exactly. And speaking of energy, I always say sales is an energy transfer. So if I am getting on the call and I'm like, man, I really need this sale. I need to pay my mortgage. I haven't closed any deals. Blah, 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 blah. I wonder if my price is too high. I wonder if my price is, and you're getting on with all of this nervous, anxious, a bit chaotic energy or desperate energy. You can talk to someone who is ready to buy from you and they'll get on the phone and be like, something is off, something energetically. And they may not even be able to pinpoint what feels off, but something will be off. And so a lot of it is how do we get ourselves in the right mental space? How do we get ourselves in the right energy level? And then how do we make sure that we have a process to actually follow? And then last thing I'll say here on it is uh, this is another oversight that I see is people try to like, (laughs) I don't want to say slide the cell in the back door, so to speak. Right. So they come up with all of these clever names for their discovery calls in the hopes that the prospect won't know it's actually a discovery call. And (laughs) I find it just makes things a whole lot harder, right? So when I'm getting on a call with a client, they know why we're on the call. They know that we're going to determine whether or not there's a mutual fit. And if there is, that there is going to be an offer. 
Right. And so it just relieves everyone of the pressure because I'm not trying to like slide in the sale. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The kind of bait and switch almost. It it would exactly the awkwardness of that. I've definitely been on the receiving end of that. (laughs) (laughs) And I know you have um, a really awesome free resource if you want to share a little bit about that. And we'll have the link in the show notes so everyone can grab that. Yeah, so I do have a free gift. It's called the Discovery Playbook. And it really captures the five biggest mistakes that people make when it comes to doing discovery calls. But it doesn't just highlight what are the most common mistakes. It actually gives you some ways to fix it. So um, if your audience wants to grab that, it's at discoverycallplaybook.com. I'm pretty sure you'll drop it in the show notes as well. But it just really helps people identify where is their areas of opportunities where we can improve and what we're doing. And then what are those slight changes that we need to make so that we can be more effective on our discovery calls, not only from a conversion perspective, but also from a client or prospect experience perspective as well. I love that. That sounds amazing. Yeah, we will have that in the show notes for everyone to grab. And I was checking out your website, which is absolutely gorgeous, by the way, everyone should go check out um, your website. And I saw something that I was like, I really want to dig into this a little bit if you're open to it. So I know you say uh, actually on a few different pages about how the world of sales has changed dramatically over the last few years. And one thing in particular that you said is the average lead to close length has increased to 102 days. And I'm always talking about like nurturing your audience and doing follow-ups and like, it takes, I don't want to say more effort, but people need to feel comfortable and like have that level of trust. So that is just, I, I just, I wanted to hear your thoughts on that about like the time it takes from somebody to first hear about you to say yes, become a client and like the changes that we've seen over the last years. Absolutely. Right. So I think there's a couple of components to it. One, I think it depends on what there's, it depends on what you're selling and also depends on where people are in the buying process. Right. So if someone is just becoming familiar with you, it's going to take some time to build that level of trust in you, the trust in themselves that they can actually follow through and execute whatever it is that you're going to help them, whether you're like you're a coach or a consultant or et cetera. So those tend to take more time. Whereas someone who is further in the buying process, they are very clear about their pain points. They are proactively looking for solutions and they happen to stumble across your Instagram page or a YouTube video or even your website online. Then those deals tend to move a little bit quicker. And so I would probably put those in two different buckets. Like they're at the top of the funnel. They're just starting to do research. Then you've got to be showing up consistent with a consistent message that is really, again, going back to focus on the outcomes and results that you help your clients get versus just necessarily talking about yourself and how awesome you are, right? But then if they're further in the process, then, you know, I'm a big advocate Uh, You've probably seen or heard conversations around this. I'm still a big proponent of discovery calls. I know that there is this fantasized, especially for high ticket offers, there's this fantasized deal of like, oh, you can just live the laptop lifestyle. You never have to talk to anybody. 
And I just don't believe that to be true, especially if you're doing something high ticket. Even if people have been following you a while, sometimes people just want to have a conversation. And so if you want to cut or shorten the sales cycle, discovery calls are a really powerful way to condense the process because you're able to increase your level of trust exponentially on a discovery call in comparison to just content after piece of content after piece of content, where it's very easy to get kind of lost in the sauce, so to speak. So yeah, I would look at kind of two different buckets. One, people who are just beginning the process, you're going to have to be consistent with your your content. You're going to have to consistently send out those emails. For people who are further into the process is how can we condense and build that no like trust factor a little bit quicker to shorten the sales cycle and the sales process. Yeah, definitely. I know high ticket is like different to everyone, but I've seen, particularly on Facebook, um, somebody that I'm friends with who boasts about booking 50K coaching clients who are just like Voxer coaching just through like an email. And I'm like, I don't know, like that's not going to work for most people. And I, I know I wouldn't probably invest probably five figures. I, I need a call. I, I need to, I don't care how long <laughs> I've been following you and know you like, I want to know that it's going to work for me, that you're right for me. Like I want to have that personal face-to-face, like quick chat and connection. Yeah. And I love how you even said you were kind of thinking about what's my personal threshold, right? Because that's the other thing that people have to consider. Because one of the questions I will often get is like, do I need to do discovery calls? Well, it depends on your audience. Um, It depends on what offers you have and whether your offer is like clearly stated on your website or if you do like I do corporate work and I work with entrepreneurs and a lot of the things that I do are custom. So in that case, yes, I need to do discovery calls. A corporate client is not hiring me from an email or a Facebook ad. (laughs) It is just not going to happen. And so it's like looking at your audience and then also figuring out what your audience's kind of threshold is. Because to your point, for me working with corporate clients, there's sometimes when people are saying high ticket, where I have a totally different perspective of what high ticket is because I work with corporate clients as well as entrepreneurs. So things that people would consider high ticket, I wouldn't consider high ticket because I talk about deals that are a lot larger that every day with corporate clients. But it would be considered a large ticket investment on, you know, if we're talking to an individual entrepreneur. And so kind of figuring out what your audience's threshold is and then giving people the option to have a call. There's going to be some people who are just going to buy because they followed you for years and they've saved their money and they're finally ready to make the investment. But for those people who need space to ask questions and need a little bit more certainty and wants to connect with you, Giving people the option, I think, is still important. And so I think we're doing a huge disservice when we are promoting that you don't have to talk to people because we have to also keep in mind that this is people's hard earned money. And if we go back to the idea that sales is a value exchange, when people just become dollar signs, I think we're moving in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think like, I always love discovery calls. Like if I was working one-to-one, like on a service for a client, it wasn't just like, oh, let me figure out how I can close this sale. 
it was definitely, like you said at the beginning, like a vetting process. I wanted to vet them and I wanted them to vet me to make sure that it was going to be a good fit. And I love, I love that you just brought that back, Tara, because one of the oversights I think that a lot of entrepreneurs make is actually trying to vet their clients. So they think the discovery call is all about, you know, let me get you to a yes, or it's a chance for the prospect to see if they're a good fit. Whereas my mindset is, I also need to see if you're a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. Because I may be a great fit for you, but you may not be a great fit for me. And then I need to have the integrity, right? And the confidence to say, hey, you know what? To be honest with you, I think a better option would be to do X, Y, Z. Or, you know what, to be honest, I don't think I'm actually the best. This isn't the best project for me. My area of expertise is really here. And I really think that you need more of this. And if we can pass them on and recommend them to somebody else, fantastic. If we can't, then we can't. But I think we have to shift our mindset as entrepreneurs that there's so much value in the discovery call for us to make sure that they're going to be a good client. And then also, especially when people are starting out maybe with a brand new offer or they're targeting a brand new audience, those discovery calls can be really, really powerful market research for you to gather. Okay, I keep attracting the wrong people for whatever reason. I need to change my messaging. Or... I keep attracting people who can't afford my service. Do I need to create a down sale that allows people to still work with me, but just in a different capacity? And you just don't get that real-time feedback if you're not doing discovery calls at some point where it makes sense in your business. I love market research. So I love that you just shared that piece because yeah, I am obsessed with market research. And like you said, like getting somebody on a discovery call, like, that is a lot of information that you can use to pivot or change things up or move your business. Like, yeah, I just, I love that you brought that up. I'm like totally geeking out over here because I'm obsessed <laughs> with market research. <laughs> I can tell you're like, oh, hold on. she just scratched something right there. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I, I think a lot of times too, like I will say for anyone listening, who's like, yeah, this is resonating. I feel like like I've, I haven't been using discovery calls in the right way. And I've been saying yes, just because I need the money or like I've ignored red flags or like, I've just, I've just gone ahead, even though I had this feeling that I wasn't like, maybe they weren't the right fit for me. I think sometimes it is a learning lesson. Like I definitely, (laughs) I definitely did that at the beginning. Um, There were definitely a few clients where I was like, yeah, I can, I can make this work. <laughs> and that is definitely the wrong mindset. So I love that we're sharing this because I feel like so many people, like if you're in that boat, implementing these things now and starting to shift your perspective, it is going to help you. Like for me, it was a long learning lesson because I didn't have anyone like you to tell me <laughs> to do things differently like this. Yeah, and you know what? Something that I just want to highlight real quick on that, Tara, is what you just mentioned of like, sometimes you have to go through it to learn the lesson. I think that's exactly true is, you know, I I always tell clients when they say, I keep attracting the wrong people. I keep attracting people who can't afford what I do. I keep attracting, et cetera, client prospects who waste my time. And it's like, no, this is all feedback. If you keep attracting people who say they can't pay your fees, then one, you need to change your messaging. 
because your messaging isn't resonating with the audience you're actually trying to attract. Two, you need to change the form on your website when they're booking an appointment to better level set expectations. And then three, you can say, hey, that's additional information. I actually can create a whole nother segment, a whole nother product or service or offer for people who are not ready to work with me in this level of capacity. So all of it becomes feedback if you learn how to to use it. Yeah, that is so awesome. Yeah, I, I learned very quickly at the beginning that I needed to add like, pricing information or like starting at pricing uh-huh. um, to the form to better vet people. Cause I was like, especially as an introvert, like for me to do a ton of discovery calls, that's a lot of energy that I'm like, that depletes my energy. So I need to make sure that it's almost like they're pre-vetting themselves a little bit exactly. because of the form. Yep. Right. And then in my process, we teach kind of our, um, we call it the convert sales process. We teach capture. So this is where we're pre-qualifying people and we walk through that process. Then we teach you how to connect. So what do you actually do once you're on the phone? Then how do you qualify going back to what you were talking about, that it needs to be a mutual fit and you should be vetting them just as much as they're vetting you. And then convert. How do we actually present our offer and communicate the value of our offer where it's like a no brainer for people to move forward. And so, yes, if, especially given that we're talking about specifically for introverts, that capture piece is really important up front so that you can be respectful of not only your time, but also respectful of somebody else's time if it's just not going to work out. And then again, just taking that all as feedback. And then at some point you, you scale, right? So at some point you might say, you know what? I have more demand on my time than I have capacity to do a bunch of individual discovery calls. Okay, now we may need to move to a webinar. (laughs) But it's very, I find that people who try to jump the discovery call phase and move to webinars, they're one-to-many selling. If they haven't learned the fundamentals and selling one-to-one, they just 10x their problem or their inability to convert and sell by (laughs) one-to-many. Yeah. And so... I always say, learn how to sell one-to-one, learn to sell, and then you learn to scale where you can sell, you know, one-to-many, especially if you're doing a high ticket offer. That is a really good point. Cause I see so many like messaging pieces about like sell one-to-many, it's easier. It's going to scale your business and allow you to work less, which is all great. But like you said, you need that foundational skill set of sales. <laughs> Yeah, if, if you can't if you can't get one person to buy, <laughs> just having more people on the call isn't going to help you, right? When it comes to actual like conversion rates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love this so much. And I also I just want you to share a little bit about your book because I think a lot of listeners may be interested in that. Like I was reading on your website, here's a sneak peek of what you'll find inside. And every yeah. bullet point, I was like, I need to get this book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I recently wrote a book called What Top Performing Salespeople Do Different. And it really captures the 10 things that people who sell, regardless of what's happening in the economy, what's, what industry they're in, what audience they're targeting, really 10 principles and strategies that they use to consistently sell and sell at a high level. So it is a culmination of just my experience. And like I said, coaching and training over 10,000 salespeople and entrepreneurs. 
since 2009 and just some of the things that I've seen that consistently are different between people who do really well in sales and people who struggle. And even if you're thinking like, well, I'm not a salesperson. If you are in business, you are a salesperson unless you have someone that is generating revenue for you or unless you are all like solely an online business. But even then, you still have to understand some just general sales principles to have a solely online business. So I'm super excited about that book. I always say it's been 13 years in the making, but it was the right time to to release that. That is amazing. I love that. I'm in the process of writing a book and it's been three years in the making. And I felt like I was like, oh, I just need to get this out. So I love hearing about other authors. And this is your first book? This is, uh, it's my second book. So my first book I wrote is called A Woman with Vision. And it is more focused on helping women achieve their personal and professional goals. But this was my first book as it relates to, to selling. And since you're like in the throes of writing your book, you know, you know, once you're like writing the book, it's like you have five other books in your head mm-hmm. <laughs> that you can write. And so it was time for this one. I love that. Yeah, definitely. Everyone should go check that out. If this conversation has resonated with you and you're wanting to improve your sales skill set, I'm like definitely going to grab a copy because (laughs) I mean, you've, you've nailed every bullet point. I was like reading the next one and I was just like nodding my head, like I need this. And this has been such an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Now, it has been my pleasure. You know, usually in the the work that I do, I'm usually talking to extroverts <laughs> who are always dumbfounded when I'm like, no, introverts are actually better at selling. And they're like, huh? So it's, it's, it's actually been uh, really good for me to talk to a fellow introvert who has also kind of learned through trial and error that selling doesn't have to be scary. Like if you have a process and you learn how to leverage your natural strengths that you probably think are a weakness, selling it becomes really easy. And dare I say, selling becomes fun (laughs) when you understand and kind of shift your mindset about it. I love that. Yeah. Cause I always talk about like introverts, you, you have so many like superpowers that like you Mm -hmm. said, you may think put you at a disadvantage, but that's not true. You just need to learn how to use your personality to your advantage. And I love what you've shared about sales. Cause I, I do think it's true. Like we, we are able to listen. We are able to empathize. We don't like talking about ourselves. So we focus more on the client or potential client. We just need to really hone in on the actual foundational skills of sales. Correct. Awesome. Well, we will have all of the links in the show notes Definitely go grab the free discovery call playbook, check out L'Oreal's book and her website, which is gorgeous and has lots of awesome stuff about her services and how you can learn more. Thank you so much. This was a great conversation and I know everyone's going to love it. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Tara. Thank you so much for joining me today. This episode may have ended, but there are ways we can stay in touch until next time. You can join me at thetarareed.com where you can find tons of blog posts and resources that will also help you grow your business. 
And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at introvert coach, where I share more introvert friendly and service-based business tips with you. If you love what you're hearing, drop a five-star rating and review telling me what you are loving about the podcast so that I can continue to encourage as many introverted entrepreneurs as possible. Until next time, keep using your introvert superpowers.